0: Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Thank you, Pastor George, for allowing me to speak. It's always an honor and a privilege, but it's always something that you take not lightly um, because when you stand behind this, you stand in the stead of Christ. So, in the past three months, there's been an increase in the burden of my heart to be more devoted to the Lord and to encourage others to do the same. That increase increased even more a couple of weeks ago when Pastor George spoke about how the good shepherd uses trials, pruning, and correction to produce fruit in us and to mature us. And then Harvest followed up by that. Now I get to follow up after those two. (laughs) And he talked about the word of God. And it was a statement that he made that I just can't let go of. When he said, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. Before I release the word that's in my heart, for this season, I wanna read this passage of scripture because it comes out of Hebrews 10, 23, and 25. And those who are watching online, tune your ears in as well. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful and i want you to especially tune into this let us consider how consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some if you're watching online by convenience i encourage you to stop and come here because not everything that's going to happen here is going to happen where you can see it online. You may bump into a brother or sister and they may speak a word to you that's not being speak, spoken from this rostrum. So don't be watching online out of convenience. That's not what the word says. It says meet together. Smile at me now. It's good for you. But encouraging one another all the more as we see the day growing near. Guys, we're nearer to the return of Christ than we were last year and that we were a decade ago. He's coming. Are you ready? I want to touch on three things from this scripture. One is we should be stirring one another up. I mean, sometimes I'm going to say something to you. You may not want to hear but you need to hear it to get you going, all right? The other thing it says is, look, there's something in community. There's something in coming together. I tell people all the time, you need to be connected with a local church you need to be connected with the body of believers. You can get a lot of things online, you can get a lot of things from reading books, you can get a lot of things from watching videos, but you can't get person to person impact from any of those mediums. You gotta come and meet together with people. And so I totally believe that there's a timely message in what I have to release today not only for you, but for me. How many of you want to be a disciple of Christ? You can raise your hand. I see some of y'all ain't raising y'all hand. Y'all not sure yet, all right? Now, before you raise your hand real high, listen to this word. You might decide something different. In Matthew 28, 19, it says this. Go, therefore, and make, Disciples in Christ, and raise up disciples, and I mean, and and in for of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's what this says. How many of you that are part of the family of RCC? If you are part of the family, if you consider RCC your home church, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it nice and high. Do you know what our vision statement is? Well, I'm going to read it to you. It says, to restore the identity in Christ and raise up disciples that are set apart to transform this city and beyond. Notice it then says, and raise up converts. Converts. Notice it didn't say raise up cardinal Christians. It says raise up disciples. Now, I'm going to speak into that today. And I'm going to say some things that's going to challenge you. And I'm going to say some things that may not make you happy. But I'm going to say it anyway because it's in the word of God. So I'm going to read you a text. I know, I get a little excited. In Matthew 16, this, this, this same text is mentioned in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, all of them speak the same exact text. So you know God is trying to say something. Because these were three different writers... And they wrote the same exact text. And I'm going to read it out of the Amplified Bible. It says here, and I'm going to read from Matthew 16, 24 through 26. And it says, And Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside your selfish interests, and take up his cross, express a willingness to endure whatever may come, and follow me, believe in me, conforming to my example in the living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. This is what the Amplified is saying. So y'all can go read it. I'm not making it up. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake will find it that is life with me for all eternity. For what will it profit a man to gain the whole world, wealth, fame, and success, but forfeit his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that. The word disciple in the New American Standard Bible is mentioned 275 times. I'm gonna read you what I got out of Wikipedia about what a disciple is. It says, in Christianity, a disciple is a dedicated follower of Jesus. In ancient world, a disciple is a follower or adherent of the teacher. Disciple is not the same as being a student in the modern sense. A disciple in ancient biblical world activity imitated both the life and the teachings of the master. It was a deliberate apprenticeship which made the fully formed disciple a living copy of the master. So if let me put that in context. If you are going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you should look like him, speak like him, and act like him. You ain't acting like yourself anymore. You surrender to Him. I believe there's a cry in the heart of the Lord for His followers to move from converts to disciples. Because the harvest is great. Look around you. There's so many people lost, there's so peop- many people that's just wandering around in life. And the laborers, are so few. I believe, as one of our former presidents said in one of his speeches, that the Lord is saying something similarly today. John F. Kennedy uttered these words in one of his speeches in the early 1960s. He said this, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Let me kind of rephrase that, what I, what, if, if, what I believe the Lord is saying. I believe the Lord is saying, ask not what I can do for you, but what you can do for me and my kingdom. That's the only reason why he wakes you up in the morning. It's not so that you can do something, he can do something for you, but that you can do something for him. Every time he does something for you, it's so that you can do something for him. So now I'm going to break that, that text down for you. I'm going to go back and break it down little by little so we can chew on it a little bit. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, just right there. So I'm going to talk about the traits of a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's my that's the title, the context of my message, the traits of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, what is a trait? A trait is something that distinguishes you from others. It is a distinguishing Quality or characteristics that sets you apart, that sets you as different from someone else. The first trait that I want to talk about is that a disciple is confident in his or her identity in Christ. You can't give it all to God if you don't know who you are and you don't know who you're following jesus said jesus is the only one who can deliver us from bondage of sin and out of and, and out and ha- open the way to eternal life you got to know who jesus is first okay in order to know who you are you got to know who he is jesus is the only one and enrique talked about it earlier today when he talked about what he did on the cross let me tell you something when jesus came to the earth he said the kingdom i come Talking about and preaching the kingdom of God. Do you know what a king does? A king doesn't come to investigate, a king comes into a land to take over the land. Jesus said in his word that I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring the sword. He didn't come in here half stepping, he comes to take over. Not to be a part of, but to take over. Yes. take over. So if you're going to be like him, you better be ready to take over. Woo. Not just be a part of. Jesus said in John 8:58, I'm trying to help you know who you're serving. I'm trying to help you know who you're following. He says... I am the great I am. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Do you know what that means? He says, I'm God in the flesh. You want to know who God is? Look at me. That's who I am. God says, I am, I am, I am. When Abraham asked him, what should I tell the king of Egypt who sent me? And he said, just tell him I am sent you. He didn't break it down. He didn't say, okay, these are my credentials. And this, is, He said, just tell them I am sent you. Yeah. And that's enough. I'm trying to help you to understand who you're serving. Come on, come on. In Revelations 19.16, it says that there's going to be a name on his robe and on his thigh. And that name will say he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Yeah. Who Jesus is? Do you know who he is today? He is the King of Kings. There's nobody higher than him. There's nobody beside him. He is the Lord of Lords. He's not the president of the United States. Oh no, no, no. You didn't vote him in. He is the alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the uncreated God. You have no say-so in what he decides to do. That's right You could only be subject to what he says. So when you know who Jesus is, then you realize that in Romans 8, 17, it says, we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So why are you walking around with your head hanging down? Why are you walking around when a challenge comes your way? If you are an heir and joint heir, you better walk with your head up. You better walk like you the son of a king. You better act like you got some royalty in your blood. When a challenge comes your way, tell that challenge, get out of my way. Do you know who you are? Reach it, reach it, reach it. Let me slow down for a little bit. I'm getting excited. We are seated in heavenly places. It's what Ephesians 2.6 says. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Do you understand? You're not looking at life from the bottom up. You're looking at life from the top down. But we act like we're looking at life from the bottom up. We act like we're living life from the bottom up. If you're seated in heavenly places with him, you're looking at life from the, from the top down. trying to help you to know who you are. And we are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what an ambassador is? See, I served in the embassy in Paris, France for two and a half years. So I know what an ambassador does. An ambassador goes into a foreign land and says, I represent the USA in your land. So, when we're stepping into this, Jesus says, we're not citizens of this land. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. We're citizens of heaven. And so, when you step out your door, you are an ambassador. And when you go into your workplace, you say, I represent the kingdom of God. See, this is the traits Of a disciple. We got to understand. Who we are. You can't be wobbling about who you are. You better know who you are. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because there is no room. For wobbling. We have a job to do. We have a land to take. He has given us the authority to rule and reign over the land. He gave it to Adam. Adam gave it to Satan. And got, Jesus came back and said, Satan, I'll take that. And now he's given it to you and to me. So act like it. The second trait comes out of the part where he says, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests. A disciple is committed, loyal, and faithful to Jesus Christ above anyone and anything else. I'm going to say that again. A disciple is faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, committed, faithful, and loyal to them Above anyone and anything else. So that means that you are willing to surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. John said this. I must decrease that you might increase. Get over yourself. <laughs> You got to let go of yourself. I don't care how your mama raised you. I don't care how your daddy raised you. When you're coming to Christ, you let all of that go and learn how Christ wants to raise you. He wants to put his nature in you, his character in you. And some of you are still holding on. Well, my mama raised me like this. I don't care about your mama. I don't care about your daddy. Because you have a new daddy. Who's your daddy? It's Jesus. Who's your daddy? It's the Lord God Almighty. He's your daddy. You got a new daddy. Got to let some things go. A disciple is willing to allow the word and the spirit to transform him into the likeness of Jesus Christ. See, we want to read the word. We want to look at the word. We want to quote the word. But God says, I want the word to transform you. I want you to look like the word. I want you to act like the word. I want you to speak like the word. I want you to do like the word. So some of y'all need to crack open them Bibles and let the Word transform you because you've been looking the same for a lot of years. It's time to look different. It's time to grow up so you can show up for the work that needs to be done. Let the Word change you and people will recognize you See, you don't have to go somebody and tell somebody, I'm a Christian now. Not when the word is transformed you. Because people go look at you and say, you don't act like the person I knew growing up. You don't talk like the person I grew up. I know because I'm changed. I'm not the same person that you knew growing up. You see, you got to let the word get in you. Because God says, I'm not interested in you being you. I'm interested in you being like me. Because if you're like him, then you can do his work. You see, when Dave went into the Marine Corps, and I was in the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps ain't interested in you being you. They're interested in them making you what they want you to be and need you to be. So you can accomplish what they need you to do. See, Thank you, Father. see, I, I, I know I, Gabe understands this. But, and those who have been in the military, when you sign that contract, they say, you're mine for the next six years. Yes. Well, when you say yes to Jesus, he said, you're mine for your lifetime. You're not your, your own anymore. You belong to me. that's not a bad thing when you're talking about Jesus. A disciple, here's another little nugget. A disciple is willing to submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit instead of their flesh thereby bearing fruit in their life. You see, the Holy Spirit is not on the sideline. He is to lead you. You are to be under him, you are such to submit yourself. When Jesus left, he said, look, I'm sending you another one who will teach you, who will lead you. See, the only time a lot of us go to the Holy Spirit is when we want him to comfort us. But we should be going to him to asking him to lead us in everything and in all things. We got to be willing to be under his leadership and his lordship. couple of days ago I was about to get into it with somebody and I ain't talking about there was some some homeless guy out here and me and him had words and he said something that stirred my flesh and I got close to him I'm like boy you don't want to go there and then I had to let the spirit lead me so I backed up a couple of steps otherwise y'all would have been reading about pastoring jail for taking out somebody this is what I'm talking about when you're at work and your boss is getting on your nerves instead of giving him a piece of your mind give him the mind of Christ We got to be willing to submit to his will. That's right. It ain't always going to be comfortable. As a matter of fact, a lot of it ain't going to be comfortable because we're trying to kill that flesh. And can I tell you a secret? You can't get delivered from the flesh. You got to kill it. So don't, don't keep walking up here to get hands pre- laid on you about your flesh. Just kill it. Paul said, I die daily. See? Got to crucify it. Get rid of it. Thank you, Lord. Disciple is committed to the kingdom of God as his highest priority. Matthew 6, 33 says, and seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness and all these other things. Y'all worrying about this and that and the other. Don't make no sense to me. Worrying about it. Getting upset about it. My air conditioner went out. So what your air conditioner went out? What about the kingdom? Huh? Some of us will stop doing kingdom work because some little thing went wrong in our life. I'm telling you. I got a daughter that's dealing with cancer right now. But is it stopping me from doing the kingdom work? No. 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 You got to understand. It's time to stop getting tripped up by every little thing that happens in life. God says he's looking for a few good men and women. (laughs) I know that model well looking for a few good men and women. So what does that look like in our lives when we're committed to him? In our home life, that should make us better husbands and better wives and better children. huh? You see, you can't use I'm following Jesus as an escape for being responsible for what you're supposed to do at home. And some people do that. Oh, well, I'm going to serve the Lord. Now you're going to church because you don't want to deal with home. But see, when Christ is the head of your life, when you're under his lordship and leadership, you're going to let him work through you to deal with whatever needs to be dealt with at home. And it should make us better. And if you're single, it should make you a better single person instead of running around talking about where's my wife, where's my wife, where's my wife? Where's your life in Christ? Hmm? Hmm? Because when you're doing what he wants you to do, if he wants you to have a mate, he'll bring the mate to you. Be about the father's business. Paul said in First Corinthians, I wouldn't you be by me and not be married at all. Now I know some of the odds that can't happen. Because when I read that, I said, oh, oh that's not me, Paul. I said, You better bring me a wife, or I'm gonna mess up. That's not me staying single all my life. Mm, no. I'm not one of those. But when I found my wife, it wasn't that I was looking for her. I was going about establishing the career that I thought the Lord wanted me to. And he brought her. I'm going to give you a secret. Go on searching for her, but keep your eyes open for her. You see, Isaac was walking around. And when he saw her, he said, "Ooh, wait a minute. Now, that one caught my attention. But she was coming to him. He didn't go looking for her. Her, she was being brought to him, but he recognized her. Huh? That's the secret, ladies. You gotta recognize him in the Lord. Not by past tradition, not by cultural things. Hmm? Well, I'm Spanish, I got married Spanish. Not if that ain't the right one for you. you getting ready to get into some misery. Well, I'm black. I got to marry a black. No. Not if that ain't the right one for you. See? I'm trying to help y'all out, single people. I'm trying to help y'all out. I'm trying to save y'all some misery. Get working for Jesus. And God will bring you the right person. All right, let me move along because I know we got, we got other things to do. And so, then he says, and take up your cross, a willingness to express. Oh, I, I didn't finish that, did I? No, no, no. In the workplace, what does that look like in the workplace? In the workplace, people should know you by your works. I'm telling you, I miss the workplace. I love what I'm doing now, but I miss the workplace. Because I had opportunities in the workplace to be a witness for Jesus. Because people would look at me and say, first of all, why you work so hard? I said, they pay me to work. Why Why are you not working so hard? Number two, they say, nothing seems to ever bother you. I say, oh, it's bothering me. But y'all better be glad Jesus is in me. See? (laughs) Because when the Lord is in you, you're not stirred by what's around you. You don't react, but you respond to things. There's a difference. A dog reacts. But a person of God, a disciple of Christ, responds as the Holy Spirit leads them. In the workplace, you should be a top producer. Whatever it is that you're doing. And by the way, the Lord should be helping you decide what your career should be. Huh? yeah it's not what you want to be it's what he wants you to be because there is something in that understand when you go to work it's not just to earn a paycheck god has an assignment for you i don't care if you're laying bricks i don't care if you're a grocery stocker at the supermarket i don't care if you're the president of the united states i don't care if you're a judge if you're a cop i don't care who you are When you're picking a career, ask the Lord where does he want you? And how does he want to use your talents and abilities and your gifting? Because in that is an assignment. The workplace is a place of ministry. It's a place of ministry. Oh, by the way, he also has something to say about your finances. (laughs) Yeah, when you go to the store, take him with you. Yeah. Take him with you. When you're trying to figure out how you're going to use your money, remember it's not your money, it's his money. You're just a steward of it. See, what I'm talking about is the disciple is committed to God in every aspect of his life, not just some. Some. It's not about just coming to church. It's about living a life for Jesus. How you handle your finances. How you handle your leisure time. Where you spend your leisure time. Ask the Lord what you should be engaging in, what you should be putting before your eyes, and what you should be putting in your ears. See, everything is about the Lord. Everything. And what are you doing in your community? What are you doing in your community? Do your neighbors know who you are? Do they know what you're about? I love Pastor George. All of his neighbors know who he is. And it's not so much because he took a flag and went walking through his neighborhood. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor, it's because of the life that he lives. It's, a because, it's, a, it's, it's about engaging with our neighbors. It's about talking to them. It's about acts of kindness to them. You know, I have a neighbor. He's a retired military guy. And sometimes I'll go over, and every time I do something for him, he wants to pay me money. I say, dude, I'm just being your neighbor. See? It's about the things we do, and then what they want to know, why are you doing it? (laughs) I'm glad you asked, because now we get to point them to Jesus. See, our whole life is about pointing people to Jesus. As a disciple, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about pointing people to him so that they can have a relationship with him. The next thing he talks about is he says, take up your cross. Expect a willingness to endure whatever comes. See? You know, I get a magazine um, every month, and it's called Voice of the Martyrs. Sometimes when I read those stories, I go, oh, Lord, what am I doing? I personally know people who have given up the comforts of this life to go live and minister in places in Africa and other places in the world. I ain't talking about they went for a mini trip. I'm talking about they've been over there for 12 years. That's where they live. That's where they're raising their kids. See? Why? Because that's where the Lord told them to go. That's what his assignment was for them. And those who will graduate tonight, God is going to send you on different and various assignments. He didn't raise you up just to have credentials. He raised you up so that you can do his work. And you got to be willing. In other words, what that means is a disciple of Jesus Christ is willing to give up something important and precious which becomes an obstacle to following Jesus. Jesus said some hard things in the scriptures. I don't know if you ever read it, but he said if you don't hate your mama and if you don't hate your daddy and your brother and your sister, what he meant is if you love them more than me, you can't be with me. Now that's pretty hard because most of us love our family. Now some of y'all be like, yay. thank you for that that's my out I don't have to deal with them anymore no that's not your out okay still got to deal with them but what he's saying is don't let them become an obstacle don't let somebody that you're dating become an obstacle if they're not helping you to go forward towards Christ cut them off Cut them off. I don't care how gorgeous they look, how handsome they are, how much money they make, what their status is, what they told you they are. If they're not pushing you towards him, then cut them off. Now, you can't do that when you're married. Yeah, there were people in First Corinthians seven. They said, "Look, my wife is not saved. Can I cut her off?" He said, "No." Nope. <laughs> my husband not saved. Can I? No. Nope. <laughs> You're supposed to sanctify them. That means you gotta die a little oh, to yourself. <laughs> oh, some kind. In some cases, you gotta die a whole lot. In some cases, you gotta lay down your life. And so what he's saying to you is every relationship's possessions. Some of y'all, y'all's all you car is an idol. Some of you, your house is an idol. And I'm going to tell you, young couples and young people and those who are getting ready to buy a house, don't buy a house that's going to trap you, that's going to become your jail. Don't buy a house that you got to do this and you got to do this in order to pay to stay in it. And the same way with the automobile. I talked to a young man a couple of days ago. He said, I bought me a new car. And I was like, I'm waiting to say congratulations. I said, how much? $845 a month for a payment. I'm like... Like... Bro, you might want to consider selling it. <laughs> because now, guess what? He becomes a slave to it. See? Don't become a slave to anything. There are times in your life when you may have to work on a Sunday, but that shall not be the custom of your life. Okay? The opportunity may be great to miss church and make some money. But you're not looking at it from the right perspective. And let's talk about the church for a minute. When you come to church, be part of the church. There's a difference. Some people just come to church And some people are a part of the church. And what I mean by that, you're doing something to help the church. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. You're not just coming in here to hear the word and hear the songs and say, oh, that was great. But you're saying, where can I put my hand to the plow and make it happen? You see, there's somewhere that RCC is trying to go. There's something that the Lord has told us to accomplish, and we don't need just a few of you. We need all of you. You see, when I moved from Ohio to Florida, I had already been a minister of the gospel for a number of years, but when I got to the church here in Florida, guess what I was doing? up there I was leading men down here I was teaching children oh my god four and five year olds I almost went into comatose but what it taught me was how to deal with adults cause they're children in big bodies I learned a lot on how to deal with people by dealing with those kids. So ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? How can I contribute to my local church? You say, this is your church? Then own it. You see, in my house at home, everybody has something to do. And I remember years ago when I was growing up in my father's house, and my mother's house, and I said, hey, I want an allowance. And they said, we allow you to live here. We allow you to eat our food, and we allow you to wear our clothes. So the work that you're going to do has already been allowed to you. So when you come to this house, if this is your church, own it. Find out where you can help in us accomplishing our mission and our vision. And y'all can see me me after the message. (laughs) I can help you out with that if you don't know. Moving right along, okay? I'm almost done. I got one more point. See, you are willing to endure whatever happens. And that means that sometimes when you're walking as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're going to suffer rejection. Get ready for it. You're going to suffer gossip. Get ready for it. You're going to suffer lies. Get ready for it. You're going to suffer betrayal. Get ready for it. Jesus went through all of these things from those who were close to him. Huh? Come here, Judas. You've been walking with me these three years, and now you are the one that's going to betray me. Huh? And abandonment. Come here, Peter. You said, I'll be with you always. You were willing to take a a sword and cut off the ear of the guy. And as soon as you got caught and soon as Jesus got taken, Peter was like, I don't know him. What you talking about, Willis? I don't know that dude. And then he even swore when they kept asking me, like, I don't know him. See, get used to it. When you are going to be a disciple, you are going to suffer some things from people who you thought were your friends. From people who are, this is why Jesus says, if you love your family more than me, because sometimes your family is going to disown you for the sake of the gospel. You're going to go through some things. Now, this is not for you to get mad at your family. This is for you to go to Jesus and ask how to minister to your family. The final thing he says here, choir, um, y'all can come on up, or oh, the band, or who, oh, choir. Yeah, See, y'all, y'all can tell that I've been around for a long time. I mean, band, or worship team, whatever, whatever y'all call it now. See, I'm in the moment right now. I'm in the moment right now. I feel, I hear a choir behind me, okay? <laughs> There's a choir behind me that's saying, hallelujah, praise God. Not just a worship team. (laughs) Yeah, baby. You see in Acts chapter 4, when the apostles, I'm going to read that for you real quick. Because when I say you're going to suffer some things, I mean that. And in Acts chapter 4, he says this, and I'm just reading this. I know they, they, they ain't gonna have it up there, so, so y'all now need to break out your Bibles app, app, or apps. And it says in verse 18, it says, And when they were summoned, and when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God, to give heed to you, rather than God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. So there's going to be some times. See, those p- people that, I, that you read about in Voice of the Martyrs, some of them are giving their lives. Some of them are being imprisoned. And you know, I was telling the RCC graduates in one of our classes, I said, y'all get ready. If you live long enough, some of y'all will go to jail for professing Christ, get ready for it. And some of y'all may not even have to live that long depending on what God tells you to go and what your assignment is. He may send you somewhere where they don't accept Christianity see are you ready to be a disciple and my last point is this he says and whoever wishes to save their life in this world will eventually lose their life through death but whoever loses their life in this world for my sake for my sake will find it that is life with me for all eternity The final point is that a disciple lives life from an eternal perspective instead of an earthly perspective. Willing to give up all their accomplishments and achievements to follow Jesus Christ. I want to read something to you out of Philippians chapter 3 verses 8 and 9 but this comes out of the Message Bible so it won't be up there. It says the very credentials And Paul was saying this the very credentials these people were waving around as something special I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for and why because of Christ yes all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand. Everything I once thought I had gone had, had going for me is insignificant, dog dung. I've dumped them all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and he embrace and be embraced by him. I didn't want some pretty inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ. You see, when we become a disciple, we look at life from a heavenly perspective. There was a thing that was a, a saying that went around for for years, and, and I actually embraced it for a while until I realized that what I embracing was totally wrong. And that was, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And I'm like, Yeah, that's right. You're so heavenly minded. But you know, the reverse of that is actually true. You're so earthly minded, you know heavenly good. You see, when all of your attentions are on what you do in this life and what you can gain in this life for yourself, then you're no good to the kingdom. And so God wants us to have our minds stayed on him. You see, Paul the apostle, not only did he say this, but he said when he went through all of the torturous things he went through, And you can read about him in 2 Corinthians. He went through a lot of stuff that I know I, I would like. Okay, God, wait a minute. Let me ease me into this. Okay. He went through a lot of things. Being whipped 39 times, being left for dead, being stoned. A lot of things he went through. And he said, these are light afflictions. And how could he say that? unless he had a heavenly perspective unless he had an eternal perspective he's saying look I got maybe 70 or 80 years on this earth but I got a whole eternity to think about so compare the two what I have to suffer here is not even worthy to be compared to what I'm about to gain and so I want you to look at your life and I want you to ask yourself now Do you still want to be a disciple? I hope you do. But we all have to make some changes in our life. Not just once, but continually. It's a daily transforming. It's not something you get over. It's not. It's continual. And so what we have to say, what I want to say to you right now, is that don't put all your efforts into what you can accomplish here for yourself, but put all of your efforts into what you can accomplish here for Jesus. Become a disciple of Jesus Christ. In 1986, Yeah, I know I'm dating myself a little bit. It was a hallmark moment in my life. You see, I had already been serving the church. I had already given my life to to the Lord. I was already serving as a deacon and as a trustee and as an usher and doing these things. But I really wasn't diving in wholeheartedly. I had learned how to be obedient in the military and from my parents. So, but I wasn't wholeheartedly into it. And one night I had a dream and Jesus came to me and I saw the nail prints. And in that dream, he said to me, Will you be my disciple? My whole life changed. my whole life changed because I knew when he said that I'm calling you into a deeper commitment. I'm calling you into a deeper faith. I'm calling you into something much deeper, something that you have not known. When he said to me, Will you be my disciple? I knew he wasn't calling me to be saved because I was already saved. But he says, I want you to walk. I want you to be committed. I want to transform your life. And today, if that's what the Lord is saying to you, I appreciate where you are. But I want you to come to a deeper level. I want you to walk closer with me. I want you to know me more. I want you to allow me to transform you more into my image. If that's what the Lord is saying to you. Hallelujah. A year later, I was in ministry. And that's what God, that's the invitation. To each and every one of us. The invitation to you. Young or old. The invitation to you is. Will you walk with me? Will you follow after me? Will you be my disciple? And if that's you today. And maybe you haven't made that decision. Maybe you haven't thought about the cost. Maybe it do it today do it today do it today if that's you lift up your hand if you are saying today I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and you haven't made that decision before if you say I'm all in lift up your hand I'm all in I don't want to be a part-timer I don't want to sit on the fringe. I don't want to straddle the fence. But I'm all in, Lord. Will you allow me to follow you? I'm ready to give up my life that I can take on your life. That's you today. It's going to cost you. It's going to to cost you I'm I'm not trying to sugarcoat it it's going to cost you everything but it's worth it my life is so much better now my life is so much more fulfilling there's a scripture in the word of God that says fulfill ye my joy that your joy may be full and so today god is extending the invitation he's extending the invitation to each and every week every one of you stand to your feet he's extending the invitation he's asking he's looking he's pleading for a few men and women Because the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. And God is saying, today, I need more disciples. I need those who are holy and completely committed to me. Pastor George. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit RemnantChristianCenter.com.